Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Merry Christmas, everybody! That was the lamest Merry Christmas in the world. Merry Christmas, everybody! Yeah. All right. This this Wednesday, this day, I know it's still November, whatever, Um uh, this is the official kickoff of what has been traditionally known as Christmas at Citizens. Welcome to three weeks of wonderful, festive wonderfulness. So those of you wearing a Santa hat, <coughs> jinx, you are the winner of today. I don't know what you win, but you win something, okay? <laughs> Whoa! Cringe, don't kill my vibe. That's good. That's a good one, Jenny. Uh, yeah, it's Christmas at Citizens here. Um, uh, how many of you are already decorated? Proud. Uh, I want to know who decorated the earliest. Um, before Thanksgiving, raise your hand. July 5th, stop it. You did not decorate July 5th. Uh, anybody decorate uh, before November 15th? Wow, before the 10th? Before the 8th? Can I count backwards? Before the 5th? Before the 2nd? What in the world? Did anybody decorate before Halloween? <laughs> Amazing. Great. Faith? Oh my gosh. When did you decorate, Faith? No, you didn't. All your? What in the world? Okay, you over there. Halloween. I didn't see your hand. I didn't see it. What's your name? Benny. Benny? Is that right? Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me let you shout when you lost your voice. What day did you decorate? Whisper to your friend and let them shout. October th- on October 31st. That is the best, man. Well, uh, it's Christmas season, whether you like it or not. It's officially after Thanksgiving, so it is officially time to decorate for Christmas. All right. Well, we're going to get into it today. Are you ready? Yeah. Give me a little nod, a little shaking of the head. Okay. Uh, yeah, so tonight... Um, like Noah said, or like Will said, at the very end, we're going to be spending time with Noah and Joe, uh, thanking them for their time, thanking them for their faithful service uh, week to week. Um, honestly, we're going to be thanking Noah for doing what we're about to do right now, and that's opening God's word and reading it and declaring the truth uh, to, to us and what it means for our lives and what God has to say to us. Um, so yeah, I hope if you've been around here for some time, if you're new, I hope you discover very quickly that this is a big deal to us, right? We we firmly believe in God's word. We believe that it is his word to us. It's his guiding word. It's the foundation of our life. It is the source of truth. It is what we lean on every week. So what we do at this time is we get these out, these Bibles. Mine's really crusty. I call it the crusty Bible. My spine's officially falling off. I found a company that does an amazing job of restoring Bibles. If anybody would like a um, start a restore Courtney's Krusty Bible Fund, I would be down for that. Yes? <laughs> Javen. Yeah, man. I knew we were friends. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we're going to dive in that today. So the, we put the word down in this thing. Do you have one of these things? Do you know what you're going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You're not holding it up because you know I'm going to ask you to do it. Hold your phones up. That is a pen. And go like this, and put it on the ground. It can survive being run over by a car. I promise you, it'll survive the floor. Okay. <laughs> For a moment, you'll have to tell your friends. Give me 30 minutes. If your be real chime goes off, it's not real, man. 
It went off earlier. We're good. Okay. All right. Um, some of you may know this. Some of you may be shocked, and some of you have no idea who I am, so it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, we actually, uh, two years ago today, we brought our little Teddy Freddy home. He's over there. Um, he was born two years today. Today's his birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> um, and we are actually uh, expecting our second in April, so that means I'm currently, currently pregnant. There's a child inside of me right now. Okay. Uh, I've had a weird uh, kinship to the Christmas season in the last few years because I had a baby boy at Christmas time, which is really strange. And then I'm currently pregnant, as pregnant as the Mother Mary, as some would say. No, only just me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, this is a weird time uh, with this, like, we're, we're welcoming a new life. I have no idea who this person is. I don't even know if they're a boy or a girl. We find that out next week. Um, we'll tell you all. Um, uh, so it's like, thinking of a name for a child is, is a lot of pressure. For Ted, we knew, because I always wanted a Teddy. Theodore is a very favorite name of mine. It's Joel's grandfather's name. We were done, set. The second one, I'm like, what do you name a child? Right? Because you know, somebody's like, oh, I really like the name Brittany. And you're like, oof, I had a class with a Brittany. She was the worst, right? It's like, there's every name. Alex, Alex is a good name. That's, you're putting your candidacy in. I like that. Um, you know, every name has a meaning to it, right? So it's like you, you immediately respond to a certain name instantly, right? Like it becomes a part of, like your name is more than just the way we identify human beings from each other. I mean, there's like a ton of people with the same name anyway. So, you know, it, it becomes a part of who you are, who your identity is. You know, you, someone, you can say a name and it can make you laugh. Right, you're like, love that guy. Right, it can make you smile. Sometimes you hear a name and you go, Ugh. right, there's a cringe, there's a shudder. Um, sometimes, you know, when your friend is trying to tell a story to you and they're like, you know, John, and you're like, I have never met a John in my life. Who are you talking about, right? There's some names where you're just like, totally blank face. Um, well, we're going to be talking about a few baby names today. And uh, maybe, maybe this could be exercise at the end. You can take a vote on what my child's name are going to be. I don't know if I'm going to trust you with that. But <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking specifically about the baby names of a baby born in this season. Um, when you hear the name Jesus, how do you respond? You know, do you laugh? Do you smile? Do you uh, and cringe and shudder? Do you like nod your head? You're like, yeah, Jesus. Do you roll your eyes like, oh, that guy. Do you uh, just stare blankly like, uh, who? Who is that person? You know, this is the time of year where we have a host of names that come to the forefront this year that never show up at any other time of the year, right? We got the Grinch. We got Santa. We've got Elf and Elf on the Shelf. They are different, right? We got Frosty. Like, is Jesus just one of the uh, names in the slew of fictional friends at the holiday season? Or is he uh, just a nice guy? Is he a good friend? Is he a name that's used to guilt you? Or is he something much, much more than that? <laughs> we're going to dive into it. Uh, so, here we go. Uh, we're going to start in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, for those of you who may be newer, um, Matthew, he's in the back like, yeah. Uh, uh, for those of you who may be newer to the Bible, there's two testaments, the old and the new. Make it simple. 
and two-thirds of the way through, you find the New Testament. And that's where Matthew is, the Gospel of Matthew. That's where we're starting today. Um, in the next few weeks, we're going to be zooming in into this budding family. We're going to be zooming into this young couple. They're expecting a baby. They have a baby. And their first job with this baby is to name the baby. As we look into the names of this baby, we're going to find a lot of things. We're going to find out their identity this baby's identity through their name. We're going to find out their mission. Um, but ultimately, this baby's name and identity has everything to do with our name and our identity. What child is this? What, whoever this child is, it matters to what child you and I are. His name has everything to do with our name. And so we're going to dive into that. So here we are, Gospel of Matthew. Um, I'm kind of a Bible nerd which is why I'm standing here. So um, <laughs> I could spend like 45 minutes on the first verse of, math, of Gospels Matthew, got Matthew's Gospel, um, nerd not, um, uh, but I'll spare you a quick survey of what's happening in the Gospel of Matthew so that you understand what's happening in the Jesus story. So let's read the first verse of the Gospel of Matthew. And your mind is going to be blown. Just kidding, but we'll try. Uh, he says this, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Is your mind blown? You're like, I love genealogies. They're the best. All right, here's what I can't get into today, but I'm going to summarize uh, in uh, a few things. Matthew is doing something very specific in his gospel, and, and even in these first 16 words, he is shaping his story for us to help us to see who this Jesus is. So uh, f- over here, the, these first words, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of really cool biblical like ninja skills happening here, but what he's doing is he's showing us, you can go to the next slide there, it'll, it'll pop up, that Jesus is both the new creation, a new humanity, and he is the completed redemptive story that God has been writing through creation. He says, the son of David, that's the next one here, right? Uh, This is a very specific title that we'll see again in our passage, but he's trying to show that Jesus is this promised eternal king who will sit on the throne and reign in peace and in glory, and then he is the son of Abraham, the last thing there, who he is the one promised Abraham who would bless all the nations, and as the initiator of a family of faith. Again, I would love to walk through this genealogy then with you and talk to you about great-great-grandma Rahab and Tamar and Ruth. I'd love to talk to you about great-grandfather Josiah, man. And you know, uh, you know that was the weird one? Like there's Jack and I in there. We're like, we gotta talk about Jack and I, but we really don't wanna talk about him, right? There's, I would love to go through each of these people. We don't have the time for it. Here is what Matthew is doing. Unlike his uh, brother and friend, brother in, brother in Christ and friend Luke, um, he is not concerned about shepherds, sheep, stars, wise men, mangers, Bethlehem, none of that. Matthew is getting straight to the point. He's jumping right in and saying, you need to know who Jesus is, bottom line. You need to know that this Jesus is the promised one from the beginning that we have been waiting for. He is God's ultimate plan to fix a broken world. He's the one that all creation has been waiting for and longing for, and he's the one whose advent means coming. We have been waiting and what we celebrate in this season. So, with that said, this is what Matthew's doing. With that said, let's dive into the text before I get too carried away with all the nerdy stuff, okay? So here we go. We're in a scene here. 
Um, we're going to meet some characters. Obviously, we are going to meet the baby Jesus. We're going to meet his mama. We're going to meet his dada, earthly father. And we're going to meet the Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, verse 18, jump down. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold! You know when like, your thinking moment is like best in like the shower or something? Could you imagine an angel just showing up? Sorry, that was just like, man. I'm thinking here, angel. Okay, sorry. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Remember that one. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So again, these opening lines here, he says, the birth of Jesus Christ Christ, meaning Messiah, meaning the anointed one, meaning the one, the promised one we've been waiting for. He's jumping straight to the promise. He's jumping straight to this key character of Jesus. But again, we have a few other characters here, so I want to take a quick second and talk to you a little bit about Mary and Joseph. And I have a Mary and Joseph with me tonight. Where is, where is our version of Mary and Joseph? Henry, Emily, where are you? Are you in this room right now? Henry, come up here. Where's your lovely spouse? <laughs> Welcome, Mary and Joseph! Yay! Come on up, come on up. Okay, so. Whew, I am spilling water all over the stage. That's great. Okay, so uh, it says in the text, right, that Mary and Joseph were betrothed, betrothed, right? So they were like engaged, they're an engaged couple. And so uh, my favorite thing to ask a, a married couple is how they met and how they got engaged, okay? So I can't ask Mary and Joseph. Well, we can because it's in the text. But uh, I would like to ask you guys. Tell the engagement story. Who tells it better? Joel and I always fight who tells it better. So, yeah. Do a quick, like, how you met and then how you got engaged. Well, we met in eighth grade. Whoa! <laughs> Don't listen to her. Stop it. I have the worst story for a youth group, but, uh, I should yeah, have fielded this first. I was cute. Henry had a rough middle school phase. Um... Uh, we were not friends. Did I didn't like him. He liked me um, until sophomore year. We had every single class, including electives, together. And he started becoming friends with my friends, even though I didn't like him. And so I decided that I better get to know him. So I would talk to Henry, and he would listen and not respond. Because <laughs> he was quiet, way more quiet back then. And... Um, then in junior year, he asked me to homecoming because we had become best friends since then. First time I talked to a girl. Yes. <laughs> and then the rest was history. We started dating and never broke up and got married four years ago. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so tell the engagement story. What happened? Yeah, so the engagement story was four years after we started dating and on the uh, anniversary of when we started dating, December 27th, um, I basically took her in a car. We drove around to all of like our kind of famous date points that we uh, went to when we were dating. Got a flat tire on the way, which was nice. awkward. Which you showed off your great skills yeah. of She probably tire. changed it. <laughs> <laughs> She's changed more flats than I have. But... Um, 
Yeah, and so at each point, I wrote a letter to her that I read aloud, and the title of each letter, once we got to the last point, um, spelled out, will you marry me? Wow. Basically, Code breaker. Part of the title, yeah. Wow. And so asked her there, and, and it was that. And you said yes, yes. and you're here yes. four years later. Yes. That's great. All right, can you give these guys a hand? Give them a hand. Good job. Thank you, thank you. Okay, stay up here for a second, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you for a moment. Okay, so this is, a, this is like the classic, typical Instagram like engagement story, right? I mean, that was really like creative and unique, too. That's fun. Right, so this is typically what happens. Boy meets girl. Boy convinces girl to like him, or maybe it was the other way around this time. I'm not sure, right? Like, they eventually get married, and they get, or they get engaged, and they get married, right? Now, here's a question. Maybe I should give this back to you. Um, what would have happened if you decided you actually didn't want to get engaged and you handed the ring back to Henry. What would you do with the ring? Would have been very sad. <laughs> I would have returned it and then, I don't know, probably bought something, some, some retail therapy. <laughs> go get a new guitar, go get something, I don't know. Yeah, okay, so Play this is obviously very sad. I mean, even asking Emma the question, she was like, what do you mean? <laughs> right? So... In, in this world of engagement, right, if they decide to, like, break it off, something happens, you met each other too hastily, you guys knew each other for a long time, or whatever, um, you know, there's a little bit of a financial issue, right, depending on how much you spent on the ring, which Henry told me earlier that he was trying to convince her that diamonds are worthless and <laughs> that he didn't even get... The value of rings is not very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, and maybe he'll sell it for a guitar or something, right? But there's not a lot of financial stuff in line. It could be awkward if they already had, like, sent down invitations or venues, but that, that's the end, right? Okay, so now we're going to talk about, like, what if these guys were in, like, actual Israel Jewish times, okay? So it would start with these families would probably have known each other for a long time. They probably would have gone way back. Their families would have been friends. Like, their grandparents would have probably been setting them up early on, right? The male's parents would have scoped all through the Jewish town to find the girl that they would want to marry, right? And then they begin to make arrangements, right? And this isn't like several thousand dollars for a ring. Like, he's selling, like, property. He's giving them, like, cows and things. He's, like, putting his business up on the line. Like, there's a lot of financial thing. And then they don't have a cute little, like, letter and story and engagement and all of that. Like, they just go and sign a document well, it's probably not a sign, but before witnesses, they are betrothed legally. So legally, they are united, but they're actually not married yet, a.k.a. they should not be able to have children. Okay, following? Right, so they're legally bound together, and to separate them, it's not just like an awkward, like, ooh, sorry, please return our wedding gifts, and the invitations are broken. It's like there is a legal divorce that happens. And so this is what we're talking about our story here. You guys can sit down now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Henry. So instead of, um, like I said, the very sad uh, ending is if, you know, our, our friends Henry and Emily never got married, it might be awkward. In this story, um, Mary and Joseph are betrothed legally. To separate them, it is, it's, a, it's officially a divorce. And so um, what, and then, but the couple, again, they're kept separate they should not be able to have a child, okay? There is no commingling happening where children could happen, okay? You catch my drift. Okay, so um, Mary is pregnant. So there's only one where that could happen, and Joseph's like, it wasn't me. So it had to have been that she was unfaithful. And look at this. It's, it's, we see these words, right? We talk about that they were betrothed, that Joseph's talking about a divorce, but it says that he's a just man. 
And so what is happening is he's just in two ways. He's just in that he's going to follow the letter of the law, and he's going to initiate a divorce for unfaithfulness. He could technically, by Levitical law, have her stoned to death for infidelity. Yes. So he's also just in that he's not killing Mary, and he's doing it quietly. He doesn't want to put her to shame. He's a, he's a just man. He's a kind man. Um, and he just plans to divorce her quietly. But then an angel shows up while he's thinking. You know, he's like sitting on the back porch, you know, like, man, I really thought Mary liked me. I don't know, man. And I'm, I just got to divorce her. And, and an angel shows up and says, and stops him from going forward with the divorce and says, what's happening in Mary is actually a work of the Holy Spirit, which this should like kind of trigger us. Um, a lot of what Matthew's doing is going to remind us of the creation story, of the Genesis story. And so in Genesis 1, like literally the opening passages, Genesis 1 and 2, we see the Holy Spirit also at work in creation here. You see the verse up there. It says, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit is a, a prime initiator of creation. Uh, and and if they were, he was at the beginning of creation, and here there is a new creation forming. There's a new humanity forming. There's a dawn of a new day that's beginning with his child, this child whose name is Jesus. The name is Jesus. Jesus, um, you can go to the next slide there. His, his name in Hebrew sounds like Yeshua. Anybody, any Joshua's in here? I know there is. You know this well, right? Um, it's the same name as Joshua. It means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. God saves. In this name alone, we're seeing two really significant things about who this baby is. And, and number one, okay, the name of Jesus, he says he'll be named Yahweh saves for he will save his people. Does Yahweh save his people or does Jesus save his people? That's the right answer. Yes is the right answer. And right here, in the very naming of the child, we see that this child is more than human, but he is God. Yahweh will save his people. This is Jesus' name. And he will save their people from their sins. Again, this is a, a promise connected to the name. Since Genesis 3.15, since God called down that serpent and cursed him for being that first liar, that first tempter to tempt Adam and Eve to sin, he says, serpent, watch out because I'm sending you someone born of a woman who will kill you at the cost of his own life. And, and so there's a promise in the beginning of time that there will be one who will destroy sin and death, who will... Um, who will end the reign of evil and this serpent. And this is Jesus, this God born of woman that came for the purpose to save their people from their sins, not just to bring peace or to end poverty or to overthrow an evil government, but to get to the root of what's at the heart of the human, and that is sin. And so the first thing we see about Jesus is that he is our salvation. Jesus is our savior. He is our salvation and he is our only salvation. The reality of Jesus being our salvation, I told you that his name is gonna impact our identity. The reality of Jesus being our salvation means realizing a couple things. One, that your biggest problem and my biggest problem in, my, in our life is actually sin. I mean, you might say the greatest 
thing that you need to be saved from is something like anxiety or depression or loneliness or a harsh parent or an abusive relationship or fear or a whole host of other deep griefs and illnesses. And those are real pains. Those are real struggles. And we all feel some kind of brokenness either externally or internally, but the reality is that all of this brokenness has the same root, and that root is sin. Sin that broke the world and sin in our hearts. And, and, and Jesus has come to do more than just temporarily relieve you of a pain that you're feeling right now, but to eternally save you from death. This is what it means that Jesus is our salvation. That we realize that our biggest problem is sin and our only solution is Jesus. Consciously or subconsciously, we all, all of us, you and me, have looked to so many things in our lives to mend the brokenness or the pain that we feel. You know, we pack our calendars with events or friends or, or, or other things, or we're constantly checking our notifications to solve this, this underlying feeling of loneliness or depression. You know, we gossip or start drama or jump from relationship to relationship, friends and romantic, to somehow feel better about a significant broken relationship in our life or an estrangement from a parent. Dude, we get enamored with stories. We become huge fans of things and we get lost in internet content for days, both like fine and wicked, just to forget about our current state, just to numb the pain to escape or to attempt to forget about our struggles. We have all looked to false saviors. That's what they are. They are false and failing saviors and will only make you feel better for a few moments. But Jesus is our only salvation. And this is the child that's come. He is our only hope and he is our salvation. And he's more than that. So let's, let's finish our passage today. And verse 22 so uh, Mary and Joseph are together. The Lord stops them from getting divorced. They said, you will name your child Jesus. And then in verse 22, it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. Again, I, I told you in the beginning that Matthew's whole point in this gospel is to prove to you that Jesus is the promised one that we've been waiting for. And so here again, uh, Matthew is doing something that he's going to do through a lot of his gospel, and that's to continually point back to the Old Testament and say, this is the promise, Jesus fulfilled it. This is the promise, Jesus fulfilled it. And so here we have another one, our first one really, coming from the the mouth of the prophet Isaiah. It's Isaiah 7:14. He says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And this is an interesting promise. We'll start with the promise this time with this name. Um, this promise is actually uh, that there will be an end of exile. So let me explain this to you. Uh, this prophecy was given by the prophet Isaiah to Israel right when God was about to kick him out of the house. He was like, you are on my last straw. Like you have 
constantly disregarded my laws. You have done so many wicked things. I'm about to go and kick you out, right? And the armies of, of Syria are marching upon Israel. And King Ahaz is literally trembling in his boots. He can like hear the army coming. And he's like, and, and, and God tells Ahaz, don't be afraid. It didn't work. He's terrified, okay? He's so terrified. He doesn't believe um, that there's any hope for them. All he sees is death and end and destruction. And, and the whole like, prophecy of Isaiah there's always these twin pieces. There's judgment for their sin and there's hope for the future. And so Isaiah says, all right, God's gonna give you a sign that he's not gonna leave you in exile, leave you in slavery, leave you as people <laughs> just headed to death. And the sign that he gives them is a baby. Weird, right? And Isaiah does have a child, but what Matthew shows in this passage is that there's another child, a greater child, who actually isn't going to save people from slavery to Syria and bring them back to Israel from exile, but rather he's going to save the world from slavery to death and bring people back from exile away from, that they've been exiled from God. And this is why his name then is Emmanuel, God with us. Again, another important story rooted in creation because once upon a time God dwelled with man. Adam and Eve knew God face to face and sin brought death because sin separated them from God, separated them from life and literally they were kicked out of the garden, out of the presence of God and mankind then wandered for decade and century upon century, wandered in the wilderness in their sin and brokenness with hearts longing to come home again. And God promised to bring them home. I could spend another three hours legitimately flipping through these pages and quoting every time that God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. I will dwell with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. He's constantly promising to find a way to, to allow his people to come home to him. And Jesus is the sign that it's time to come home. He is God with us. Jesus is God's call that it's time to come home. And student, it's time to come home. Our sin has separated us from the one place that we truly feel at home. And just like we've tried to look to little saviors to help us, we've tried to make like little comfortable homes for our hearts here. You know, we try to find a little purpose in this activity, or we try to find like, our call or we try to find like some transcendent, like amazing experience um, to find a place for our hearts to feel a little bit like home, but nothing quite feels right. Nothing quite satisfies. There's always something inside that's like, something's not right. Because whether we know it or not, we're longing to be home again. We're longing to be home with God. And this child, this baby Jesus, means that it's time to come home. And it means that he's with us now. He has come and he is with us. Jesus is God with us. As we close this passage, there's just a couple of things I want to point out really quick. Look at verse 24. He says, when Joseph 
woke from sleep, he took his wife. There's another man who fell asleep and woke up and had a wife. (laughs) And that was Adam. Do you know the story? God was like, you're lonely. Took a rib, made a woman. Ta-da! Woke up, he's like, whoa! This is great. Right? What's happening here? Matthew is clearly showing us that a new creation story is beginning. And this is a new humanity that is lived out by Jesus. And it's a humanity that he is desiring to save all people into. A humanity that's unbroken by sin, a humanity that's free from death and is able to dwell with God. And the peace that we so long for and the life that we so wish to have And this is Jesus, these final words here of our our passage. And he called his name Jesus. Our promised salvation has come. Our promised salvation has come. He is our savior. He is God with us. And right here, these two ideas, God is our savior and God with us is the gospel You see, because without being saved from sin, there is no being with God. But Jesus, as God, Yahweh, saves, was born as a human to live a perfect human life and to take on the death of a sinner. He was never a sinner, but he took on my sin. He took on your sin. He died the death of a criminal, and the proof that he was innocent and the proof that he had broken sin was that he was resurrected from the dead to life never to die anymore. He is the Savior who makes it possible for God to be with us. This is the story of the gospel. This is the good news that we declare, that we can come home because our God has saved us in Jesus. He has saved us, he's currently saving us, and in Advent season we remember that he's coming again. He came as a baby to take care of sin and he's coming again as our completed salvation and he's gonna bring us home at that point. (laughs) Never to live in brokenness again. Jesus is our salvation. He is God with us, and he has come. I pray that in this uh, Christmas season, when you hear the name of Jesus, that your reaction even begins to change in shape because of the truth of who he is and what he's done for you. That there would be joy and rejoicing in your heart. That you are not a slave to your sin or a slave to death. And that there would be um, a confidence a removal of fear and worry and knowing that God is with you. So let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you so much for Jesus. God, we thank you that you, God, you never were fooled or stumped or outplanned in this broken world. God, but from creation, you had a redemption plan put in place to save us from the brokenness that we can't escape from in our, on our own, in our hearts. God, that from, from the moment humanity made their first steps away from you and steps into sin, 
God, you, you had a plan to send Jesus at the fullness, the completeness of time to be our salvation and to be with us. God, I thank you that you have saved us from our sins, from all who call upon you can consider their sins forgiven and free from them. God, I, I thank you that for all those who have been saved can declare with confidence and with faith and with hope that you are with us right now. Whatever it is I have to face, whatever brokenness is still in this world, whatever heartbreak I go home to, uh, you are with me. You are with us, Lord. And we thank you for that. God, we thank you that our salvation has come in Jesus and we rejoice and celebrate that today. And we look forward to the day of Jesus' second advent, of his second coming, where the job is complete and we can breathe a sigh of relief at home with you, Lord. I pray for those who may not know you or may roll their eyes or cringe at the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that in this season they would see the beauty of who you are, the grace that you have given, and the hope that you are, and that they would uh, turn away false saviors and turn to you as their only hope, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.